Hey, everybody. Welcome to the UJ Sports Live podcast. My name is Rodney DeBulsa. I'm joined by Dane Young and the Hall of Famer himself, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, Jim Donnan. I'm here to eat some crow, whereas uh, he's Coach Donnan's here to explain exactly what happened in the Georgia-Clemson game. Dane's here because we need a pretty face to carry it on the uh, YouTube uh, thumbnail. If you're eating crow, then I've got the whole flock. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to eat a lot because uh, I was right in some things. But anyway, point being uh, – I was also wrong, and we uh, we have a big game to break down. And we're going to get Coach Donna's takes uh, on the game, the offense, the defense, special team stuff like that. Uh, I am at Classic City Eats in Watkinsville on the Greens uh, Greenville Highway, uh, Greensboro Highway, excuse me. Uh, right, basically down Highway 15, right past downtown Watkinsville. So if you want to come out to a great place and get a great meal, swing by our friends here at Classic City Eats. I'm in the game room. They have a huge game room. Uh, uh, whip my son's tail and playing the uh, NBA hoops game here, and the uh, Papa shot destroyed him. He says differently, but who are you going to believe, a 17-year-old kid or, or your host? So, uh, and then of course there's the video games behind you. you saw people playing them, and they have the golf simulator in another room. They have um, the best food you'll ever find anywhere in Watkinsville. So swing by our friends at Classic Leagues, great place to watch the game. And they had quite the crowd in here this past Saturday as Georgia faced down uh, number three Clemson. The Bulldogs left with a victory. The folks who were here left with a uh, happy feelings, full stomachs, and high spirits. And, Coach, I just want to dive right into it and get your overall thoughts on this uh, Georgia-Clemson game. I mean, it was a week one, top five matchup. Everybody in the nation watched what <laughs> they thought was going to be a high-scoring game, and a couple defenses showed up and said, "Hey, uh, don't don't uh, don't discount us." Yeah, I think it was just a case of uh, first of all, uh, Clemson underestimated their ability to protect the quarterback, and uh, certainly hurt them because you know when you go game and you have a whole year to prepare, you usually got a pretty good feeling about uh, the other team, and uh, in this case, I, I think there was just a no, no question that they didn't have any kind of alternative plan to pass protect, uh, you know, everything they did. If, if you go back to last year, one of the things that really hurt us was uh, when uh, Sarkeesian at uh, Alabama went to two tight ends and kept at least one of them in and, made, and sometimes two to protect and ran, and ran two man routes on one side or the other. And we couldn't get to their quarterback. We couldn't hurry him. We couldn't do anything. But in this game, we had seven sacks, but we also had 25 hurries where, wow. the, you know, the quarterback didn't uh, have uh, – DJ didn't have a chance to really set his speed and go through everything. So, uh, for, from our standpoint, tremendous preparation because we just didn't play uh, a lot of different uh, – you know, the same thing over and over. We, we mixed up our rushes. I thought uh, Dane and – Brent Rollins did a great job on filmed on live showing our sacks, how they uh, mismatched them and how they utilized our people and attacked their middle of the defense. But, you know, overall offensively, I will say that the first quarter was a really good job of preparation and we got the ball down there and kept it away from them. But, you know, second, third quarter, we did absolutely nothing. I mean, four first downs uh, and fourth quarter when we had to have it, we really hammered them. So, I think, you know, we could go ad nauseum about who we didn't have in the game, and that just doesn't do any good to talk about that because that's just the what-ifs in the, in the submission. So uh, we're probably not going to have some of these guys for a few more games. Who knows? But 
the the one thing we got to do is just uh, recognize that without them, we probably need to be a little bit more run first team instead of pass first team, which was utilized in the red zone. We threw three straight passes, and uh, the and our uh, JT probably needs to look at. Uh, from my perspective, when we call the RPOs, you know what RPOs are. That's where you call a run. And then when it's uh, not there, you, you have a pass behind it where, you know, even though the line's blocking run, you can throw the ball. He has a tendency to me to overreact to the pass. And if it's a tie, he'll throw the ball every time. And that's okay. That's, that's his way to do things if you got pickens and burton and all those guys out there i'd say do it but <laughs> if it's a tie right now i would say let's run it when you got that choice that's just the old coach talking i'm not i'm sure he'll see that and yeah. talk to jt about it and realistically that's probably what he's coached to do because we had he was very effective in the first three and sometimes against cincinnati doing that but uh in this game when they were laying off us like they did I think maybe staying with the run a few t- more times would have been better. But, but uh, and then the last thing our kicking game was dominant. Uh, really did some really tremendous things. And if you remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago about how much I didn't like the the uh, rugby type kick in trying to set up your return because you guys had your back to the ball. And sure enough, we had a situation there where. Milton was hustling, getting back, trying to get a block and a ball hitting. And, you know, we get the ball right there. I, I really think we pounded in there. I mean, there's no question in my mind that we would have been in a four-down type territory calling the game. So, uh, from my perspective, we got a lot to look forward to. Uh, very good young players that are going to keep getting better and get more reps now. We got guys like Jones, Mims that are going to be ready to roll here pretty quick. And then devastating injury, losing a guy like Ratliff. not just because he's out for the year for our team, but just for the young man. They got really paid the price, worked hard, moved to another position. It was a lifelong dream of his to play for the Georgia Bulldogs coming from up there in Rome playing for Darlington School. And, you know, fans can say, well, we'll get somebody else in there. Sure. But uh, this young man – uh, or any guy, just uh, as a coach, of all the things that, besides losing that, you know, uh, one of your parents or something for people that your players, when a guy just gets knocked out for the year or his career, it's just hard to take for a coach because you know how much hard hard work they put in. You know, one one thing that happens, I think, after a game is and media members and coaches do this. You look at what went well, you look at what did not go well, and you project forward. What went well for Georgia was defensive line. I think that's quite obvious with the seven sacks. But one thing that I noticed is on that fourth and five with about four minutes to go when Georgia has to stop Clemson, Warren Brinson was one of the defensive linemen on the field. And I looked at that and and remarking to me just because – it shows the depth of that position. They have guys that have been destroying the line all night long. I would have thought you would have had Devontae Wyatt out there, and, and I think Trayvon Walker was on one side, but there was Brinson coming down on the quarterback. The depth is a big thing on the defensive line because those guys, especially in the SEC schedule, are going to get beat up this year. They're going to beat up other people too, but they're also going to get beat up. So that's one big thing. Things to improve, 
wide receiver blocking and edge blocking. Georgia wide receivers did a, a poor job in many areas of the game. There were some that did great. Justin Robinson had a holding penalty, but he also had one play where he had a guy on skates. We have that in film, don't lie. So I think that's a good area. Um, overall, projecting forward, Georgia has beaten two top 10 teams back-to-back if you go back to the Peach Bowl. That's a really big accomplishment. But also in those eight quarters, Georgia's offense has scored 12 points. That ain't going to get it done in the long run. And the defense has had, what, 15 sacks or something in those two games? So All that says is the defense and special teams are really carrying this team right now, and they're doing it at a championship level. The offense has a little ways to go, but the talent is there. I think you're exactly right, Coach, that you start leaning on those running backs and that offensive line because it showed in that last four minutes of the game, it works. Absolutely. I mean, they, when you – when Georgia needed to run the ball, they were able to do so. And that was gigantic. Kirby Smart mentioned it <laughs> in his post-game press conference. Because, I mean, think about it. If you give it back to them there, that that's huge. I, I was concerned when you saw Tate Radlich go down. And I just want to give a shout-out to Warren Erickson. This is a guy who works in spring and summer and then camp, you know, until he got hurt at center and wasn't even sure he was going to be able to play, gets the cast off his hand, comes out there with a little brace on it type thing. But, uh, what, four, five, six plays in, he has to go in at uh, right guard and play the entire game at a different spot. I mean, Grant, he knows it, but it's not something you've been practicing. He's been fighting so hard to get back to be center. And you're not going to have a situation where, as Coach uh, Smart mentioned yesterday, you're probably not going to have a situation where you have uh, Cedric Van Pran, the, the freshman out there, and Warren Erickson side-by-side at guard. You're going to have to change things around there because you don't want both of your uh, centers on the field at the same time uh, per Kirby. So uh, I thought the guys that stepped up to make those big plays when other guys went down, and and Coach is right, you can't talk about the guys that are missing, but when Tate Radich went down, that was the fourth five-star guy that you didn't have available to you in this game. But still, I mean, when you look at what Ohio State did to Clemson, you scored three points. It – you can't just be waiting on those five stars to get back, you know, you, three points. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. But, you know, you just look at some of the guys that we had lined up on the outside that uh, even though they're good players, I mean, not very highly recruited guys playing out there, playing for, for us. And how well, they're really young. And, uh, but that doesn't make any difference to me as far as uh, I, I don't want to typecast anybody, but, you know, if you're going to be uh, in a game like this, you look at Alabama, you look at uh, even Ole Miss last, last night, you didn't see anybody for us catching a ball and running with it like their guys do. I mean, that's the that's the whole point. If you're going to throw the ball underneath, you got to catch it and make somebody miss you. And, uh, you know, I don't know what our longest reception was, but it wasn't very long. But And then defensively, as good as we played, the one downer was – we had a chance to put the night the knockout blow, you know, that ten yard line, third and long. We ran a three minute rush and DK and this player who's who played for Clemson his whole life and now playing for Georgia went for a double move. He, he he tried to go for the interception and the guy ran a double move and they got a forty four yard gain. And that's not the kind of stuff you do on third down. I mean, you play, you know, you play off the guy and don't let him get the big play, particularly when they're backed up, but He'll learn from that, and, you know, you can coach up so much better from a win than you can a loss sometimes. Just just say, you know, you can be so much more positive about 
things as compared to, you know, you don't want to be negative, but reality is winning cures a lot of, uh, a lot of evils there. And it certainly, um, I'm, there's a lot more people happy here than there are. Uh, I'm telling you, I got more texts from people that I didn't even know were still alive from Clemson after the game asking me what went wrong and all that. I mean, I grew up in South Carolina for a little while. I was born there. And when I got the Georgia job, I found out how many relatives I had because they were all asking me for tickets. So uh, the point being, these people are calling on me now, and a lot of them are South Carolina fans. They're just so happy that Clemson finally went down that they're, they're happy too. So what I meant is we're happy. South Carolina fans are happy. Clemson fans are chapped. And uh, we'll see what goes, how it goes from there. The Georgia fans should be thrilled. It's a, it's a huge victory, no matter how you cut it. Uh, on national TV, it was the game. It was the one everybody talked about. I did more TV and radio spots in the week leading up to that game than I probably ever have done in my career. And then after it was over, the phone was ringing nonstop. Hey, can we get you on tomorrow? Can we get you on Tuesday? Can we get you on Wednesday? Uh, let's, let's talk about this. Can we meet in the parking lot? Talk, get, get on camera. It's just everybody was focused on this game. And there were 50-plus Georgia recruits or Georgia target recruiting targets sitting in the stands watching this game, you know, and a lot of those guys are going head to head with Clemson. I mean, a lot of Georgia's going head to head with Clemson for a lot of those guys. Uh, We had the rumors versus facts podcast last night. You need to check it out on this channel. Give it a, give it a nice review with Blaine Gilmer, Jed May, and those guys breaking down, you know, the reactions. We reached out to a ton of those guys and they gave us their reactions on the, um, that Georgia versus Clemson game. In other words, it had, more impact than just the top five win there. Um, I spoke to one of the Georgia staffers, and he said, how many of those guys on the uh, uh, across the way there do you know? Point to the Clemson side. He says, we were probably in on 75% of that team. So about 75% of that Clemson team was Georgia recruited those players as well, and vice versa. So uh, this is a big matchup. And, again, it's not going to make Travis Shaw decide to decommit from North Carolina and commit to Georgia. But it does when you have a guy that's looking at Georgia and Clemson. He goes, "Huh? They went head to head." It's a, it's small things. It won't determine the outcome, but it means something. And if you are a wide receiver or you're an offensive player, and you're saying, "Man, Georgia didn't really do a whole lot." A lot of people think, "Well, we blew our chance with X. We blew our chance with Y. We didn't score enough points." That isn't how it works all the time because a lot of those guys think, "Well, hell, if I'd been out there, this is what we'd have done." So don't uh, don't create a narrative that doesn't exist but you're right coach this is a huge win for him i think uh my take on this i wrote a three two one column prior to this whole thing starting out and i said look i don't think this team right now is as good as they were in 2017 i just think there's too many stars on that team the stars here are they're there there's like 31 guys that could be drafted but they're not ready yet and if they are ready and they do win then you're ahead of schedule and i think this team at least the defense is lights out ahead of schedule. Part of that was Clemson isn't as good as we thought they were, be it as it may. But when, to me, and I'll ask each one of you what you thought the play of the game was, to me, the play of the game, was, uh, aside from the pick six, was third and eight. Clemson has a third and eight. Georgia rushes three, and Nolan Smith gets a sack. Trayvon Walker's everywhere. Jalen Carter's blowing it up. To me, that third and eight just showed what could happen. And I was worried about Georgia's secondary, and there were three pass interference calls. And you talk about the 44-yard reception there. That secondary, to me, some of the issues in the secondary may be masked by the fact that that front seven is so bloody good. So uh, that that was my play of the game. Uh, You guys give me yours. 
Well, you got to go with Chris Smith and his coaching of the game because we ran a trap coverage where we set it up for him to we know what their checkoff is. If you blitz a, a hot receiver, the, the guy's going to break to the inside unless he just sees the guy inside and then he's supposed to hook up and he broke inside and, and Chris Smith was right there. If you remember in the uh, championship game uh, when uh, Terry LeCount, I mean, excuse me, Richard LeCount intercepted against Alabama in the end zone, the same thing. You know, they showed one, one look with the safety and then he played the other way. And boy, it was just a great interception in that game. But, yeah. but I will say this, I remember this summer, I was getting on Blaine Gilmer a little bit, kidding him. He said those guys were saying they wait to see what Georgia's offense looks like before they decide what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, maybe they are, Blaine, but realistically, uh, and Blaine didn't believe it either, but I said, but realistically, those guys aren't going to base their decision where they're going to college on who gets all the yardage or anything like that. I mean, if you were a receiver – or, or an old lineman or a running back, I mean, you'd really look hard at Clemson's offense after that game. I mean, good Lord, uh, you know, they don't have Trevor Lawrence anymore. And, you know, this kid's probably going to be real good, but he's got a, he's got a lot of room for improvement, that's for sure. So, uh, but that game's over. We got some – probably got some questions here. And uh, I want to get, get Dane's take before we move on from this game because, yeah. I mean, people don't want to talk about UAB right now. They want to talk about Clemson. Yeah, well, we, I would probably. Everybody's doing a monologue, seven or eight minutes. So go and take one, Dane. Take eight minutes on it, buddy. I'd probably say Latavius Brini's pass breakup in the back of the end zone. It may it wasn't the play of the game, but it was crucial for Georgia to maintain the lead late in the game. Latavius had a really good game in in pass coverage, and that's uh, something that I think was was we needed to see from Georgia's defensive backs. I'm going to push back on something you said there, Roddy, because I don't think that it's oh, this okay, Clemson we team. We got to commercial break. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that this Clemson team is as bad as, as what everyone thinks they are now. They've got some critical offensive line issues, that's for sure. But Uwe Ungalele was getting in more of a rhythm in that fourth quarter. They were kind of beginning to figure some things out. And we know their schedule's a cakewalk for the rest of the way. So I fully expect that Clemson will be in the playoff by the end of the season. Well, they, they, I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying they're I don't, see, means, I don't see Clemson being in the playoffs. I mean, I. I don't. I mean, there's just too many good teams. Uh, you know, the only way they would be is by default with the. You know that some teams lose more than one game, but uh, that loss there was very. You know, if you're in a, you're one on a guy on the committee, you're saying, "How can this team be playing there with this? With you know this, all these deficiencies that they have? You know, I mean, yeah. Where, where's their signature win after this game? But I'm just saying they're going to be an 11-1 ACC champion. Oh, yeah. So then we have to determine what that means from there, how many 11-1 conference champions are they're going to be. Because I don't know that Oklahoma is going to be that either. Coach, you know them better than I do. Have, I was worried have, for them against Tulane. You're going to have Ohio State more than likely. You're going to have Oklahoma, probably Oregon. Uh, Oregon can – you know, we'll see what they got against Ohio State this weekend. Uh, and then you got you got Alabama and us. I think for sure, based on what I've seen right now in the SEC, if we should have two teams in there. I mean, that's just the two best teams right now are Alabama and Georgia. I just After you watch, I mean, all weekend, uh, and, and certainly our offense has a little bit of room for improvement for sure, but 
I see all these guys, we're going to start getting back. And, you know, Coach Smart was talking about game speed. Coach Sweeney was talking about that for Ross. You know, he'd been practicing, but he hadn't been in game speed. Same thing with Burton. You know, Burton got his knee hurt in the spring, missed the last three weeks. In the fall, he had some some issues uh, with an ankle. And it's just different when you go out there time after time. When, when we used to get ready for games the week, two weeks before the game, we just practiced getting in and out of the huddle or coming from the sideline to the field. All that running is added to it. You know what I mean? It's not just the game itself. It's the fact that there's a lot of – and the anxiety and the running around. And people were saying, boy, uh, Trayvon Walker – played a lot of plays more than he's ever played. He played 44 plays. I mean, is that a lot? I mean, seriously, this guy, he can play for two days and 14 nights. That guy's one of the best athletes I've seen at Georgia, and he's on special teams too. But also a shout-out to Arian Smith uh, on the special teams. That, that guy was lights out now. And uh, hopefully he can go up to Coach Munkin this week and give him a lifesaver and say, look, Coach, just throw me one deep one, would you? <laughs> I'll take it, you know, but uh, we'll probably see that. And, I love and, that from Arian Smith because, you know, we always say that 40 times don't really matter on the football field because how often are you just like sprint running in a straight line uh, in a football game? Well, Arian Smith did it multiple times, and it was on that punt coverage. And, man, was he fast. He was. And uh, to your point, Coach, uh, uh, Kirby Smart pointed out that uh, Jermaine Burton has not been able to practice a whole lot, you know, back going all the way back to the spring and this fall. He's been banged up a lot. Uh, you didn't have Kiaris Jackson. I mean, if I had to pick an offensive superstar in this game, I was thinking Kiaris is going to be the guys. When they look around, give me your senior leader in the slot, you know, the guy who's just – every time they picked on George Pickens last year, uh, Kiaris Jackson tore it up. Then they saw Don Blaylock dressed out, which was a surprise to me. I, I told everybody that uh, Tyke Smith and Darnell Washington were not going to play. I don't – know why people didn't believe us but they didn't the point being was like you see those pieces are so close and you say that getting that game speed back they have a great looking schedule going forward to get those guys comfortable Cedric Van Brand his first game really right at center looking up at Miles Murphy and Breezy and guys like that looking at defensive front you gotta think he did a great job but anyway my whole point when I wrote my column on Saturday morning was I don't know that these guys are ready yet but by the end of the season these guys are going to be badass. They are going to be lights out. They're going to be monsters. They're just not there today. I actually posed the question. Do you, are you willing to go into this game with, uh, would you have rather gone into it with like Isaac Nauta, you know, versus a uh, John Fitzpatrick, you know, or and, uh, Brock Bowers who hasn't played a game and Brock Bowers goes out there and leads a team in receptions, which we told people he would, we told people this is a superstar guy, but I'm with you coach. I, I know people were frustrated about the offense, but I'm like, man, just have patience. I said that. Have patience. It is coming. So uh, here's one more point I want to make that you you made uh, about which line is going to be able to block enough to win running or passing. One of the things that helped our line, I think, was going against our D line all spring and fall. Great point. And their, I mean, I don't think their line had much success against their D-line based on the way they played against ours. So uh, I know I read on uh, the Tiger Illustrated a couple of times that, that they had two bad scrimmages, and I can see why they did against their defense, but I can see why they did with that line. So the point is the competition that we had in practice is going to help us. It's going to help our defensive backs 
when our receivers get a little bit better, uh, you know, the, uh, as far as health is concerned, I got some major questions about our secondary just because, you know, they weren't tested with, with, with this front with the way they rushed them. And, and we will, we'll see them continue to develop, but, uh, we're going against this Birmingham team at the Blazers this week, well-coached team. And, uh, I promise you, they'll be as good as South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee in my mind as far as their personnel and their coaching and everything else. All right, let me uh, – we'll talk about them in just one second. I do want to give a shout-out to our uh, sponsor of the show, Athens Ford. They're a huge sponsor. They've also sponsored our watch-along. So, if you got to see the watch-along with uh, Dane and Coach Donnan and uh, Trent and Dave – excuse me, Brent and Dave, uh, if you watch that, that was thanks to Athens Ford. They're huge sponsors of ours. So, we want you to please be a big – patron of theirs if you need a new or used uh, or previously owned vehicle swing by Athens Ford on the west side of Athens uh, right close to the mall out there um, or of course excuse me, close to Sam's between Sam's and the mall swing by there they have fantastic deals for pre-owned vehicles fantastic deals on new vehicles they have specials they have good financing and it's one of the few places you can actually find vehicles that has the prices haven't jumped through the roof I know a lot of people are looking for uh, uh, a good deal and they're going to the dealerships all over the state. And they're like, man, the prices of these things are through the roof. That's not uh, Brian Clower and the folks out at Athens Ford. That's not who they are. They don't do that. They don't take advantage of low uh, inventory to jack up their prices. They're uh, still running deals, especially if you're a student, especially if you're active or a veteran in the military. Uh, recently graduated, they're going to give you $500 off just for coming out there. So hit them up. And, of course, everything you get up there that's you know new or under 80,000 miles will have a lifetime powertrain warranty on it. Can't get a better deal than that. And if you need service on your vehicle, that is a fantastic place to go. They have the best service department I've ever seen. They have a great parts department. They have a great customization. You get a Ford F-150, you want to do some stuff to it, check out the parts department out there. They do wonderful items for you. And if you want to do customization, you can also do that as well. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to our friends at Your Pie. I know a lot of people can't get in here into uh, Classic City Eats. You know, you can't come up to Athens, but you're watching the game all over the country. Well, there's probably a Your Pie near you. Hit up the Your Pie location, especially on Tuesday. Order your pizzas, order your salads, order your sandwiches, order your pastas, order your, get your uh, gelato. Do that on the app. That way, when you go pick it up at the store or have it delivered or swing by, you get double points. And right now, I've got a ton of points because I always order my stuff on Tuesday because I'm going to get it at a different time. So hit up our friends at your pie. Uh, Drew and Natalie French, huge sponsors of our show. I know there's probably nobody happier in the entire state of Georgia than Drew French. He's probably on cloud nine. We're so excited to see his Bulldogs win. Uh, he's a big Bulldog supporter, big Bulldog booster, and he supports our show. And so we support him. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, Coach, I, I want to touch on something you just said about the uh, uh, UAB. I, my first thought, and again, just being the typical moron, uh, who's UAB? I don't. I, it doesn't seem – this. when you hear a, a team like that, you think this should be a cakewalk for Georgia, but Kirby Smart was adamant yesterday. He's like, you guys don't think they're a good team, but I'm telling you they're a good team. You're saying the same thing. What do I not know about UAB that I need to be, be paying attention about? Well, first of all, uh, they're in Conference USA, and several years ago, the the regents in the state decided to drop football at Birmingham, and so they they went for two years without a, a team, and then uh, yeah, Jay got, Gaines out of that. And what? Jay Gaines came to Georgia from there, right? And so they uh, 
ended up going to uh, uh, building, working on building a new stadium on campus or close to it, and reinst- you know, uh, getting the state reinstatement of the team. And the one thing the NCAA did to them for a new program is they let them bring in as many guys as they could the first year. So they brought in a, a ton of players that uh, transfers and everything that were immediately eligible. And so they had a good base to get started. Bill Clark is a veteran coach. He was a coach at Jacksonville State, who everybody knows is a powerhouse and one double A. And he was his son of a high school coach in the state. He's got really good connections with the high school coaches. He's a, a defensive type coach. And uh, <clears throat> I had a chance to watch them practice before they dropped football and when they were really starting to be a real threat for the Conference USA. And they were supposed to go to a bowl their last uh, year there, but they didn't get to go when they dropped it. So I just think this team right now is a middle-of-the-road athletic team, athletically SEC, uh, as far as the type of athletes they have. I mean, they're not the elite guys in the SEC, but they're not a doormat like Vanderbilt or – some of these other teams, you, you're going to see uh, when they warm up a very comparable to what you see on some very good SEC teams. And they got a good quarterback. They had a good big opener win uh, two weeks ago against Jacksonville. I mean, last, I guess it was on last Wednesday night, we got to see the first game of the year. They played over there and uh, <clears throat> did a good job with the win <clears throat> playing over there and, um, uh, Montgomery as a kickoff game. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, we got better players. We got everything. It's a home game. And I really think this is going to be the atmosphere of a lifetime because our fans have been waiting for two years to do it. So these guys don't even have any idea what they're getting ready to come in. And I'm losing my voice talking about it, but uh, they're, they're really, uh, they're a well-coached team and very talented. A little more on Bill Clark, too. Uh, my wife went to the high school that he coached at, uh, so he was the head coach there at the time in the uh, mid-2000s, late, like around 2010-ish. Um, I was Prattville High School, and, man, some good players came out of there in his era, Roman Harper, guys like that that are already retired from the NFL. And to tell you what Bill Clark, how he's thought of in that state, <coughs> he was in the running for the Auburn job this past year. Discussions were had between Clark and the Auburn Brass. I don't know how advanced they ever got, but he was in the running for that gig. So that's good stuff to know. All right, uh, Dane, I'm sure we got some questions. You, you want to hit us up on those. But before we talk about those, I do want to mention our newest sponsor, Dead Soxie. I tried to tell people when the Dead Soxie came on and started sponsoring our podcast, get your new lucky socks. Get the red and black socks. They have the red and black collection. Uh, they're the polka dotted ones, the striped ones. They have the no shows. They have uh, athletic socks. They have boardroom socks. They have these fantastic ones. But my uh, admonition, to people, was grab your lucky socks now. We had a ton of people do it. They pulled you through on Saturday. I guarantee to win if you bought the lucky socks. Folks bought the lucky socks. There's your win. I guaranteed it. It happened. So shout out to our friends at Dead Soxy, D E A D S O X Y. And if you go there and you want to get a discount and, you know, they have a little coupon that pops up right off the bat, but the bigger coupon, the bigger discount is to type in promo code UGA sports. 
if you forget, you're watching, look at all the, the name of our channel right here, but go to deadsoxy.com. Look at those, uh, go to the alumni section because they have them for LSU. They have them for Alabama. They have them for Florida and all these basically color coded socks for these teams. The red and black ones are the best looking ones. I guarantee it. Try out dead socks and use promo code UGA sports.com. I can guarantee you I've already Roddy dropped me off a couple pair and uh, very comfortable and uh, certainly different kind of, I don't, I don't know what exactly they're made of, but just a different feel. Bamboo yarn. Okay. Yarn with bamboo in it. They, they feel fantastic. <laughs> Again, yeah. we, we wouldn't advertise it. Something the bamboo, that's the best bamboo yarn sock I've ever worn. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I didn't know that's what they're made of. Very, very resilient and uh, just uh, – Handle, you know, when you know, I like to walk and everything, you're just very comfortable. Uh, so, uh, I agree. You, you did a good job there, Ronnie. And it's easier for me to talk about something if I feel good about it. Yeah. And that's the thing about your pie, you know. Uh, I got to sit up in the tennis stands there at the uh playoffs with uh Drew and Natalie and their young girls, and boy, they're Georgia fans through and through, <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, go out there to Athens Ford. I mean, every time you go out there, you feel like you know, you wish you could buy two or three cars. So it, it we're like going into your brother's place. Absolutely. Got the good, good sponsors. Yep. Over on the YouTube chat, Ray Toll says tip of the cap to all involved in the UGA sports watch along show. It was three hours and 41 minutes chock full of insight. Uh, and we really appreciate you watching uh, Ray Chuck Ward. Similar thoughts. Love the watch along show as well as the call in show afterwards. So our game days are rocking and the numbers show that the people like it. Roddy, good, good job getting that set up. Hey, that's what I'm here. Yo, yo, right, I'm going to eat the uh, uh, chicken salad here. Let's get the uh, questions rolling. Uh, this is Navy Dog 22 on the dog vent. Ask if coach thinks that the offense really focuses on feeding two running backs moving forward, or do you keep the rotation of four as we saw in the Clemson game? Yeah, I think you'll see four, and we'll see Edwards some too. Uh, just uh, everybody brings a different little bit of a niche to the, to the package, but uh, certainly you go with a hot guy like there at the end of the game, the way Zeus was running hard. But I tell you, uh, Cook made a really good run on that pick up where he, you know, where they ran a jet sweep. And, uh, you know, one other shout out to our uh, coaching staff, Coach Munkin and everybody, the way we uh, we used our game plan as far as making sure Clemson couldn't get our signals. I mean, we did a good job of waiting to break the huddle to the last second. We did a good job of using the wristbands to, uh, you know, where they there weren't there wasn't a single and uh, a signal. And then we ran some quick uh, hurry up stuff where you just you know, there's no signal involved. It's just a word code, but a very good job there. And, and uh, we did have a couple of times where we had some mistakes lining up, but, you know, when you look at the multitude of youth and our receivers and, uh, you know, Brock Bowers' first game, it was, it was impressive. It was very impressive. That's Brock Bowers calling right now. <laughs> I, know, I know it's Bill Belichick. It's okay. It's ridiculous. I get it off my phone, but I can't get it off my dealer. But my bad. No worries. Hey, but uh, I, I thought for a second that was uh, Bill Clark calling for a scouting report, <laughs> but it wasn't. But 
my bad there, but you know, I'm trying to get sophisticated and get my phone linked up with my uh, computer and I don't know how to cut it off. I can cut it off when they call, but uh, bad, bad move. By no, the no worries. No worries. What, what else we, what's, what else we got here? Strange Noah asked, how do you see the offense rebounding after looking at the game film versus Clemson? I know there shouldn't be a real challenge in the coming weeks, but just curious on your take. I think that they'll look better against defenses that aren't quite as stellar. You never know. I'm just telling you right now, this is not going to be a laydown game here. Anybody thinks that these guys here are going to be a walk in the park. Now, we might get some breaks and, and special teams and turnovers and all like that, but they got they're very athletic. Uh, their defense has got play, players now. They, they, we, they're, you, when you watch these guys warm up, you'll see you know, they got very comparable players to everybody we play the rest of the year. I mean, dude. Uh, maybe not as many, but their first line guys are right there. So, uh, and I don't ever sugarcoat things. Believe me, this this is a this team is one that we better uh, take care of business against. Because let me tell you what these kids. This is a lifetime opportunity for them. They're gonna come in here and play hard, and they they're gonna give us a good shot. But uh, just to take nothing against this guy's question, but. Uh, you still got to go out and execute and we're, we don't have the firepower out there. Hopefully AD Mitchell will start getting, getting a little bit better and Burton will come back. And, and Kiaris, we talked about Kiaris uh, was just limited coming off knee surgery is tough. And so I don't see it being a walk in the park game myself. For the offense in particular, I do think that you'll see more of a willingness to let JT Daniels have the ball a little bit longer. Coach, we talked about it some, but what I saw was probably some nerves of Miles Murphy and, and Breezy, Brian Breezy being on the other side that get the ball out of Daniels' hands quick, and it's more likely to mitigate any mistakes. I think you can begin to be a bit more aggressive uh, against teams that don't have a Murphy and a Breezy because there ain't many of them. That's a good point, but – I think I read where Brent Rollins said that he had the quickest release time of anybody in the country, but that was predicated on the routes we were running. You saw so many of these short things that we had. We didn't want to, uh, we, we felt like that a low scoring game, if you can, I mean, I'm not saying we, I'm just saying looking at, at Georgia from my perspective, we didn't want to give them a turnover or uh, a lost yardage plays where we, you know, we're going to have a chance for them to rush the passer like we were able to do against them. So most of our first and second down passes were either, you know, we were going to hit it or we weren't going to get sacked. That's the way it was uh, set up. So we, we might see a little bit more of that against this team, you know, but uh, they were playing soft and playing off and it's hard to throw the ball down the field very far uh, when you do a quick release because, uh, you know, they're so far off the receivers, but uh, you know, I, you would think that we would probably do that, but uh, you'd also think that we would Burma Road it too. I mean, we ought to be able to pound anybody. Anybody we play the rest of the year, we should be able to pound this running game, and our running, our line should develop as we go. Uh, that actually brings up one of the questions. Dane, let me cut in here real quick. From uh, UJ alum 95, he basically says, uh, Coach, which – group that we had questions about before the game started, the offensive line or the Georgia secondary performed the best against Clemson. There are questions about both. And that's, to me, it's kind of a tough call because you lost an offensive lineman, and, but you also had a pick six and, you know, you 
it's you only got sacked once. That's a tough call. So who do you think, even though we had questions about him going into the, the game, which team or which group did the best job? Yeah, I would say D-line and the, the perimeter of the, of the defense did the best job. You, are you saying outside of no, that? No, I said uh, just between the offensive line, because we had questions about them, and Georgia's secondary, which group fared better against Clemson? I would have to say the secondary, just because uh, they didn't give up much, uh, except for that one 44-yard gain. Uh, and uh, But I still have as many concerns about the secondary as I did uh, in the spring, in the summer, and now, and going forward, I mean, we got to get some depth there. We same. We're one player away from having, uh, you know, uh, a catastrophe back there, just because uh, there's nobody's played. Uh, and you know, to be able to do all the stuff we do on defense, you need experience. I mean, we lost two stars. Uh, you, you know, to one star to transfer and one to getting hurt to, from the standpoint of. When I say star, that's a defensive back. Uh, Tyke Smith got hurt, and we lost uh, Stevenson. But Brandy's really grabbed the bull by the horn, and he's playing yes. solid. He's had two good games. But uh, I worry about the line just from cohesiveness because we haven't – we're, again, going to start a different line than we did the first week. Who knows if they're going to move uh, Salyer in and play Jones on the outside or move, move uh, Erickson to center now that he's uh, – healthy because he was a starter there's going to be a lot of a lot of moving around in this game and hopefully we'll get enough first downs where you can get Mims and those guys in there and see how they look but uh why don't you call Matt Luke and ask him coach yeah I don't think Matt's going to tell me much about that I don't uh I don't like to get in those projections but I do like the like the fact that we got Jones and uh, Mims I mean just I hope some of the fans did what I told them I didn't tell them. I, I, I respectfully asked them to, before the game to go out there and just gaze at the two teams and just be amazed at the athleticism that both teams possessed. It was unreal. You know, uh, it, it, let me cut you off there. Uh, Larry Williams, our uh, writer at Clemson, the beat writer over there, been doing it a long time. He said the same thing that we've said on this show a couple times and we've written about a few times. He says, when you go out and you look at Georgia, that looks different. And he's covered a ton of Georgia-Clemson games. And he's never seen guys that looked like that. You know, and when you saw uh, Amarius Mims come down through the dog walk and you get to crane your head and then crane it some more and then look up again, that is a big boy. You were, you, you were right, Coach. I mean, that's – that looks like a different team. I mean, I know people will say, well, everybody works out. No, these – this is a different squad altogether. Pretty looking team. Pretty looking team. This, this question, I think, stemming from the Ole Miss game last night, it's from Red and Black in the Day on the vent at UGASports.com. It says the most, in, most difficult to interpret call in football is the personal foul targeting. How would Coach Donnan go about revising or not the recurrent rule, how it's administered, and the severity of missing a half if you're the culprit? Yeah, I mean, I think Dan, uh, Lane Kiffin took a real cheap shot at the Big Ten officials when he said, you know, uh, we, we will have – he said something about, you know, we will have a hard time knowing what to do with the Big Ten officiate officials calling the targeting, you know. And, and maybe he, he was just being in jest. But realistically, we know what the rules are. You know, you, that's the way you coach. Our coaches coach the heck out of it. I mean, they, they really – 
they warn these guys in practice, hey, that, that'll get you out of the game if you do that. I mean, constantly talking about technique, keeping your head up. and But it's tough when a defensive player getting ready to hit a guy and the running back puts his head down. Yep. You're, you're aiming at his shoulders or aiming at an area, and then he puts his head down. To me, two of those were when the offensive guy, you know, obviously put his head down and you, you ended up hitting him above the shoulders there. And it, 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 they were all rules that uh, within the rules, that's the way they got to call it. So, uh, and the way I see it, the uh, commissioners and the uh, people that are working with uh, the rules, I mean, this, the coaches know that, you know, you have a chance to talk about it. And uh, there's nothing that you can do about if, uh, an official calling it the, the right way. I mean, he's calling the way it's interpreted. So we have very few targeting calls here at Georgia. I mean, knock on wood, but, you know, we've had very few because our coaches do a great job with it. Question from UGA Farm Dog. And we heard Kirby Smart, I think, mentioned this yesterday as well um, about how teams offensively take the biggest leap from week one to week two so UGA farm dog asked what's the single most important thing that the offense must improve on from week one to week two yeah I would say Socrates here know thyself what do we got what can we do and let's don't worry about what we can't do I mean use your strengths eliminate the mistakes of getting lined up we you know that was normal in the first game we didn't have a lot of motion penalties and stuff like that, but know what we can do and promote that. And then as we get expansion of better guys getting healthy and all, then maybe we can be, be the team that, that our team was projected to be. But right now you got to play with what you got. We've got a stellar defense, an unbelievable kicking game. And uh, basically on offense right now is don't lose the game. <laughs> I mean, seriously, just, you know, hope we score three or four or five touchdowns, but hey, you score 14 right now with this team, you probably got a pretty good W. I'll go to what you guys showed in the uh, film Don't Lie. I thought this was a great uh, – I, I liked yesterday you guys had the seven sacks and how all those came about. That was fun to watch. Every Georgia fan should check out the sacks. And the one today about what went right and what went wrong with the defense – I mean, excuse me, the offense – but you guys pointed out some great stuff that Georgia didn't write. And then you pointed out some just like one God awful play that was just abysmal. Got Georgia players blocking each other. It's not pretty. But I want to go to what Coach uh, Smart said yesterday because he was talking about uh, expectations for some of these young players and trying to answer the question, what does Georgia need to do right? And I think it's, uh, as Coach says, know yourself. And Kirby said, look, so we have a play, Brock Bowers misses a block and Arian Smith lines up wrong, and Adonai Mitchell's in the wrong spot and doesn't block the right guy, and the play is unsuccessful. S small things like that. And it's all fixable stuff. It's not that you were out-athlete on that play. You hit the wrong assignments. You were in the wrong alignment. You, were in the, you missed the wrong block. That's all fixable. So, to me, just getting your assignments correct. And I think Coach nailed it. I'm talking about Jermaine Burton, getting used to that game speed. Those are, I mean, Adonai Mitchell hadn't played before. Brock Bowers hadn't played before. Aaron Smith hadn't played a whole hell of a lot. Kirby said that, look, I still see him as being a freshman because this time last year he's rehabbing. So though you're relying on true freshmen against that Clemson defense. Let's see these guys now that they've been blooded a bit, now that they've been, you know, they've been thrown into the fire, things will slow down for them. They'll remember more. And again, 
when you've made a mistake like that and they put you in the film room and you get ripped on it, you don't make that same mistake twice. So I think you'll see a huge jump in the offense. Yeah, you got um, Smith coming off a turf toe type thing. which oh, is, He's still injured. That's a good point. Yeah, he's still. So hopefully he'll, <laughs> he'll come back. But you always look, just from a coaching philosophy, uh, you know, things that you, that you want to do as a football team is eliminate penalties, eliminate missed assignments. And if you take care of those two things, then you got to look at it. There's like 70 plays in a game and there's 11 players out there. And you, there's all those chances there to to mess up as much as it is to do well. And you hope that you can grade 70% or better on that. But you don't grade very good if you have a couple penalties or you have a couple missed assignments or you have a blown technique in the open field. Uh, those things add up. It's hard enough to move the ball if all 11 guys are doing the right thing against these really good players. But if you're stopping yourself because you don't, do what you're supposed to it's one thing to get beat physically but to get beat mentally then you go in as a staff and you reassess is this what we need to be doing because this is how we're graded as coaches our own players if they're not doing it's like a teacher you got a bunch of people in your class and you're presenting everything but you don't have anybody making a's people are making c's and d's Maybe be might be some of the material you're giving them is too hard for them or something. Yeah. So you got to look at can they handle this? You know we're doing a lot. I mean we we've got a lot of formations, a lot of groupings and all. So they'll self self analyze that. But the players got to take responsibility too. Uh, you know, coaches can't go out there and block for them. That's for sure. But missed assignments always. As me as a coach, I could not tolerate a missed assignment. I could have tolerate a penalty once in a while. Not very much I could tolerate. But if you're missing your assignments, you're probably missing getting on the bus for me. I go back to the wide receiver blocking too because I saw it five or six times in preparing film to lie of where the difference in a two-yard gain and maybe a 15-yard gain was the block wasn't there on the outside. Uh, or something like that. Like that's how the explosive running game, the big plays that George is trying to get, that's the easiest way for it to happen because you know, like coaches say, I'm Burma Road with these running backs. Wide receivers can really help in that aspect. And then you tell me if I'm wrong, coach, once that's established, it probably gets easier to pass over the top once the secondary yeah. kind of has their eyes in the backfield, right? You can't, you can't run play action against a team that's playing back and they're not worried. I mean, they were they were convinced that they could stop the run with seven in the box. I mean, that was the way they played. They played a loose cover too, and uh, and some of that was us stopping ourselves. But but I also would think that uh, when we mentioned Kiaris not playing, as much as it hurts us in the passing game, even more. This guy's an unbelievable blocker. I mean, you look at his blocking grade over the last three years. We used to have plays. I used to hear Cheney call it you know, uh, 14 crack or something like that, 14 crack Kiaris. And what that meant was you weren't going to run that play unless Kiaris was in there to do the crack. He was going to be <laughs> the guy. He had his name on the play. And and we had Godwin and and Ridley and uh, Wims. guys, but th they just knew here's a freshman, a tough-ass kid from South Georgia. When this play comes up, we're going to put him in there. And I want to make sure that all the coaches know when I say his name, he's going to be in there to block that play. So 
not having him hurts you there. Uh, and plus knowledge, you know, the game is fast out there. There's no question about it, but you know, we go against our defensive backs. Uh, they're tough and everything, but Clemson booth. I mean, come on, booth, big time player. He should have come to Georgia. That's why we should have told him after the game, he should have come here, but man, he came up. He, he did a good job on run support and, and you, you learn from that too. Guys looking into the ball, he sees a flare pass. He's going to come hard. You got to go where he's coming, not where he lined up. Well, and Roddy, one thing I, I want to mention too, because you mentioned his name earlier in the show. We talk about all these injuries that Georgia has. It's a guy that is still fighting through an injury and played, and John Fitzpatrick that made such a big difference on the offense. And you know, a lot of the tight end. I guess Hullabaloo went to Brock Bowers, and for good reason. He had a really good game, a first game. You see the potential there. But I'm telling you, there's a chance Georgia does not win that game if John Fitzpatrick is not out there. No, he was that good in run blocking. That's his job. He's a a yeoman-type guy. You can just count on him. He's going to be there. And most offensive linemen and tight ends, if you could get a tie and not let the guy penetrate with our backs, that's all you want. If you get movement, Katie bar the door. <laughs> yeah, John's – I'm going to give a big shout-out to John Fitzpatrick and uh, Stetson Bennett and some of the uh, other guys, uh, Payne Walker. Owen uh, Condon. Guys, yeah, Owen Condon. The guys that uh, have put together a uh, group called Damn Good Dogs. It's a charity group. They, you know, they basically took their NIL th- uh, op- opportunity and said, look, we're not going to try to make money off this ourselves, but each one of those five guys picked a charity that's near and dear to their heart. And they are basically asking for donations instead of NIL money. They're asking the Georgia fans out there to support their charity drive and say, look, if you will give to this damn good dog fund, we will make sure that this money, 100% of it, they're not keeping it back for administrative costs or stuff like that. What you see with some of these big national charities where, you know, 31 cents on the dollar actually gets to the intended uh, recipients. Now this is 100%. These guys are using their name, their image, their likeness, to take money and give it to the Boys and Girls Club, to give it to these different groups that are near and dear to each one of their hearts. So uh, shout out to John Fitzpatrick, not only being a good football player and helping Georgia immensely in that game, especially, I mean, yeah, we're not talking about Brock Bowers if uh, John Fitzpatrick wasn't out there doing what he does. You know, we're not talking about Georgia winning that game without him. I mean, he's he's, he's imperative. And again, I said, uh, do you want to go with John Fitzpatrick and Brock Bowers or do you want to go with Isaac Nada and Charlie Warner? You know, a couple of NFL guys. Right now, I thought it would take a while before you see Brock Bowers and, uh, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick kind of be that really strong duo. But, hell, they did it against Clemson way ahead of schedule. So, you got to be excited for John Fitzpatrick, you know, who's uh, – and I know he's thinking, I could have caught all those passes because he can catch. But he's so valuable in that blocking game. And I was, I was uh, very excited that uh, he gets to walk off a uh, Clemson uh, winner in that contest. Coach in the YouTube chat, Robert Barnes, uh, just has a comment, but I'm going to flip into a question. He's asking about uh, Xavier Truss in the game at tight end. What did you see from that, and what is the coach's thinking in putting Xavier Truss in that spot? Well, if you got to play where you want to run two tight ends and you only have one, then you take an offensive tackle and give him an 83 number and put him in there where you got two tight ends. Uh, Brock Bowers is more of a move guy, uh, you know, rock the edge. He's not a power blocker yet. He could be. 
So we put trust in there as our, our guy to take, take the move for Washington being out, you know, last year you saw Washington and McKinney, Washington and, and uh, Fitzpatrick and all that too tight in. So trust was in there to give us a big body to block the other edge. And he got a little nervous there and jumped offside. But uh, he, he's a definitely an athletic guy. I don't know how certainly. he catches the ball, but he can certainly block. So that was the thought process there. Roddy has turned his camera onto his plate of food at Classic City Eats. So if you're watching on, on YouTube, this will be appetizing for you. I think he walked away for a moment. chicken salad with the peppers and the uh, smoked chicken and the uh, onions. And, uh, and it, it's like four or five ingredients. They don't get – really weird crazy stuff in there that you don't like they make it simple they make it with the smoked chicken and it is phenomenal and coach if you want i'll bring you some yeah uh, hey we can work that out uh, <laughs> hey uh you got any more questions here we're running down the range well, we got, i about to say we got to talk about uh who you expect to really show out this coming week oh your man. mouth-watering player of the week coach yeah yeah let's get some mouth-watering players of the week yeah, I mean, this is the mouthwatering segment because I mean I'm drooling over here with this uh, chicken salad in front of me. I can go first if you want me to, Coach. Hey, take it. All right, I'll take the wheel. I'm looking for one of Georgia's receivers to emerge after a game, or frankly, there were many opportunities in part because of Clemson, in part because of Georgia's game plan of let's don't make mistakes. I think Georgia's a bit more aggressive, and I've been saying his name all off season, Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. That's my mouthwatering player of the week. Yeah, you know, some people commented about was Rosemary hurt. He just had a on the kickoff. I think he got a cramp or something. He's he's fine. So he everybody needs to chill on that, which I can understand. We don't need him hurt, but uh, you know, I think whoever plays right guard is going to be the real question mark. So hopefully that guy will be the mouthwatering player of the week for me. It's going to be Erickson. It's going to be Salyer. It's going to be. Jones is going to be Mims, so I'm looking for one of those guys to make my mouth water. Hmm. Who could I pick? James Cook. I, I say, there's goes. a guy you haven't heard about yet. His name is James Cook. He's a five-star wide receiver running back out of Florida. I'm going to stick with James Cook until he hits. Ride the street. And, hell, if he'd get a little edge blocking, Jermaine Burton, he'd take it to the house. I think he's ready to do it. So hopefully this week is when he gets a shot and we see what he can do. But, again, I go back to that those runs at the end of the game that Zamir White had. I know a lot of people want to talk about Kendall Milton. I'm a big fan of Kendall Milton. I keep saying Kenny McIntosh may be the best running back out there. But if you watch the way Zamir White ended that game, the yards after contact, the, the just running over a safety for Clemson, just absolutely mauled him. I mean – I, I kind of felt bad for him. I mean, that man has family, and Zamir just killed him and three of his firstborn children. It was just awful. So I'm just saying when he was – and I think there might have been a situation where he maybe needed to look to the sideline to see if somebody was coming in, but he ran right back to the uh, – uh, behind the quarterback. He's like, let's go, let's go, give me the ball. He was ready to put that game away. And if you get that uh, Zamir White in year two coming back from his injury, that might be the guy that really – you know, he could have a 125 yards this coming week. Offensive line deserves a lot of credit for that run. Oh, gotcha. Seven so, people around. But I don't but know. Anyhow, we, need, we need everybody jacked to the max here uh, Saturday. And uh, just don't don't be impatient if all of a sudden 
this team moves the ball on us or they stymie us or I mean this is gonna be a football game. I yeah. mean and uh you can on next Tuesday you might tell me I'm wrong, but uh, you'll be impressed well, with I do, the it. I do it every week. Mm -hmm. Uh speaking of if you want to watch the game this two uh, this coming Saturday, uh three thirty game. Be sure to swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company. You can come here to Classics of Eats and try that great food here. But if you're on the west side of town, if you're over by Athens Ford, swing by uh, Academia Brewing Company. You can get their yin and yang, light and dark, uh, the great the, the vanilla county fair shakeup uh, beer they have. And also they have their wave of mutilation beer. Crazy names for these beers, but the beers are all fantastic. And they have great food, tons of TVs, tons of, uh, and they're all tuned into the game. You don't have to listen to uh, some serious XM radio uh, playing hits from the 80s while you're trying to hear what's going on in the Georgia football game. They actually play the game out there. They have a watch long on the side. So check out the uh, Georgia game this Saturday against UAB out at, at Academia Brewing Company with our friends up there. It's great food, great beer, great place to watch the game. And they have the beer garden going. If the weather's nice, you can even check the game out on the beer garden. So uh, hit them up at Academia Brewing Company. And coming up on this YouTube channel this week, we have Around the League with Coach Donnan, Brent, and myself. I think we have a lot of Ole Miss to talk about after last night, some other Ooh. things in the league as well, including how in the world is Vandy losing by 17 to ETSU. So we'll get into that on Around the League and then also our UGA Sports Watch Along show. That will be Saturday. We'll get that up about 3.15. You can have us as your second screen experience. Listen to us instead of the game announcers. That's uh, Coach Donnan. Is, is telling us what's going on before it happens. We learn football every time from him. All right, folks, we will see you next Tuesday. Everyone take care, and uh, be sure to leave us a nice review or leave us a bad one. I don't care. Just leave a review. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Take care.